Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined tonight, hopefully with co-host Jonathan Miklos, Trey may be calling in, Sonny, Cuervo, all the guys. So, hope everyone had a great week. We were on Wednesday night, I believe it was. Did a show, recapped the AFC-NFC championship games to preview a little bit of the Super Bowl. And here we are again, first Sunday in a long time without football. But if you consider the Pro Bowl football, I guess you I guess it's still not a Sunday without it. But it's it's kinda hard to watch the Pro Bowl, especially when most of the Pro Bowls are playing in the Super Bowl. So I still don't understand why they don't make the Pro Bowl two weeks after the Super Bowl so everyone can that earn the right to be there can be there. But we will talk about that Super Bowl that's upcoming in California. Ready to see the Carolina Panthers right now, a six-point favorite over the Denver Broncos. See what happens. You never know what can happen in one game, one night, two weeks, separating. I mean, will Carolina be hot like they they were hot last the last few weeks? Will Denver be able to stop Carolina? There's a lot of questions uh, that we're going to answer for you here, hopefully, but Seeing Eli Manning in a Pro Bowl, Jonathan. I mean, welcome, Jonathan, to the show. But how does how does Eli Manning make a Pro Bowl? Uh, well, because a record number of players decided they weren't going to play this year, uh, all across the league, every <laughs> position, it was really unheard of how many guys dropped out. Um, and that's how Eli Manning got in. It's the same way Jameis Winston got in, Logan Macon, all those guys. Well, I mean, I can say Jameis actually earned that 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 Pro Bowl. I think that's how Cam got in his first year. If I'm if I'm not if I'm correct on that, I could be wrong. But you know, Eli Manning's been there a long time. Really didn't do anything with his team. Jameis made Tampa Bay a a decent team. I mean, he had good numbers for a rookie. I think I think Jameis deserved a Pro Bowl this year. Oh, I mean, I could always make the case that he definitely has more of an argument than Eli Manning. Um, and obviously, I'm very happy with Jameis. I thought he did a, a pretty good job for being, you know, the number one overall pick as a quarterback usually tends to have an extremely tough time. It's just because they're going to the worst team in football. Let's be honest. How do you get that pick? So I thought he did a pretty successful job. Um, I actually would have liked those teams 
if Mariota could have stayed healthy for a full year, uh, to, to see that side-by-side comparison, if you will, but also from the standpoint of just to see Mariota play. Um, I mean, it's definitely created an interesting debate, though, with Jameis is, is uh, you know, is how far along is this kid going to go? Is, is he going to be like an Andrew Lux type player? I'm very happy with that. Yeah, it was funny. After, like, the first couple of weeks, people were like, see, Mariota's the best quarterback, and then he just dropped off. So, I mean, you know, that first year, you never know what can happen. But as far as consistency goes, Jameis is on the right track. You know, he's on the right track. He keeps his head up. He, you know, he keeps out of trouble. He, he keeps maturing. You never know where it's going to take him. He's a winner. We know that. Starting. He's a great athlete with a big time arm. He can run when he has to, and he's a leader. So, so we'll see about old famous Jameis and see what see what happens with him. But you know, this Pro Bowl may be okay. You know, but I, I still, Jonathan, would like to see two weeks after the Super Bowls played. Let these players rest up a little bit and and uh, see Cam Newton, see Peyton, see some of these Luke Keekley, some of these guys that I like to watch that that actually were voted into the Pro Bowl play, you know? I mean, I just don't understand why they do it before the Super Bowl. I know TV oh, and all, but who cares? Yeah, I mean, it's because it's a dead week, and they're just trying to fill that week, and, you know, because they, they feel that playing it the week in between, the ratings will be higher than they will be uh, playing it uh, the week after Super Bowl, because, I mean, it's a way a lot of people forgot that the Pro Bowl existed when it was the week after the Super Bowl, uh, because once the Super Bowl happens, the year's over. You don't really think about it. Um, you know, when it's in between, it can get a little more air time. So I understand why they have yeah. it like that, uh, but I just think they need to do away with it altogether. It's a joke. Yeah, that's a good point of view you had uh, about the ratings, and you're right. Once the season's over, it's over. It's like playing a playing a bowl game after the national championship, you know, like, like we have, we've had before. Remember that? Where it really doesn't really matter. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. the season's over. We know who the champion is. Nobody cares about your game. But, yeah, maybe – and it's like the NBA All-Star game as well, Major League Baseball All-Star game. To me, it's – I mean, baseball actually means something, I guess, with the home field advantage, which is a joke, if you ask me. But, I mean, all these All-Star games are – they're just not all-star games to me. They don't mean anything. But, anyway, I'm not going to get on my soapbox tonight. But tonight, Jonathan, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about some college recruiting, national. And, and I want to talk to you about this real quick. National Signing Day, what is going on with National Signing Day? Because usually it's just so many things going on, and it's just quiet, which something big's going to happen on signing day or, or nothing really dramatic is going to happen. Which one is it? Why has it been so quiet? I mean, these kids seem like they're staying committed. It's like they, wherever they're going, they're going, but there's still some big time names out there, but there's just not a lot of drama this year. No interest really. Well, it's because a lot of the big names haven't decided on anything yet. And I think that, you know, we, we think we have a beat on what they're doing, but in all honesty, a lot of the bigger names haven't uh, they haven't made a decision. They're not big media personalities. Uh, you know, for years past, we've had guys that have done a good job of garnering media attention. The Jadavian Clowney did a phenomenal job with it. I mean, he pushed back signing day two weeks just because he felt like it. Um, 
you know. So <laughs> it's uh, it's really, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. Um, also, you don't have that small school this year that's come out of nowhere to kind of steal attention. Um, and that that's usually something we're always looking forward to. Uh, but now it doesn't really surprise anybody if Ole Miss has a, has a big year in recruiting. And after what happened came out this week, I think we all understand why Ole Miss has some big weeks or some big years. But, you know, we don't have a team like a BYU or a Texas Tech coming out of nowhere sneaking up and stealing a couple four stars and making you do a double take and go, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah, Ole Miss up there in the top five and, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the Auburn Tigers. We'll talk about Florida State as well, since that's the teams we support. Um, Auburn this year, quietly, you know, after losing their entire coaching staff, especially on the defensive side, I won't say they lost their offensive line coach, Muschamp left, took a lot. Um, they struggled on the field. They actually got better as the year went on, finished seven and six. And Jonathan, as an Auburn fan. As someone that follows recruiting and thinks it's very important, I mean, am I stupid to say that if Auburn finishes in the top ten of recruiting, that I'm satisfied with that this year? I mean, every year you can't get top five, but if Auburn finishes in the top ten somewhere, I think that's a huge year for Auburn, considering what's happened off the field, really. Well, my, my and I, you know, my whole thing is, and I, I know I get it. Alabama's won championship to championship, and they've had number one class, number one class. But I feel like you don't always need a number one class. I feel like having being consistently in the top ten every year, you know, with a mm-hmm. one number one class once in a while is what teams should aspire to. Because the problem is, if you have a number one class every year, well. You're, you know, you're going to have the infighting with a lot of the same kids at same positions and all the other nonsense. Um, so I, I think it's better uh, to have a top ten class. I think Auburn's done a very good job this year with the class they've put together. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's definitely, you know, I'm, I'm seeing success. And Gus Malzahn, in reality, you just need a top ten to be comfortable with him again. Look at Clemson, Jonathan. I mean, they didn't have number one classes. They, they've they been consistently up there in the top 15. And and that team was just as good as Alabama was. It's, it's all about the quarterback, isn't it? The consistency, like you talked about. But it's all about the quarterback as well. If Auburn finds a quarterback this year, if one of these guys work out, all of a sudden Auburn could be that playoff team like Clemson was. It doesn't take number one recruiting classes every year to win championships, or Alabama would win them all. They've won some, but they haven't won them all. But um, the top ten class in the year where really this is not a big year for Auburn. I mean, they're filling needs. You know, they're going in there filling needs, building some depth. That's what this is about. But I see LSU up at the very top right now. I mean, look, how how in God's name did LSU, right, with Les Miles about to get fired and they struggled. How, they they have seventeen four stars, a five star, and five three stars. I mean, that's a monster class, and we're not finished yet. Yeah, I mean LSU year after year puts together uh, a phenom- a great classes, and the reason LSU has that advantage is they dominate their home state. The state of Louisiana doesn't put out a uh, a tremendous amount. Uh, top end talent like uh, Florida or uh, Texas or California does, 
But what it does put out, LSU tends to control. I mean, this year I've seen Florida State being able to go in there and pull out, I think it was three kids. And that was a, it's a very rare occurrence when you can do that. So hats off to Les Miles because if LSU is to fire him, who is to say they continue to hold that edge over the state? Yeah, and, and back to Auburn real quick. Didn't mean to jump off. I just crossed my mind. They only have seventeen cadets right now, and that and you and and in years past they've been about full. I'm I'm thinking Auburn could have. I mean, you know how signing day is. You never know. Bama's at sixteen. Georgia's at sixteen recruits. Auburn at seventeen. Clemson at fifteen. There could be some fireworks going off on national signing day because I think there's going to be a couple surprises out there. If Auburn plays their cards right and gets lucky, they could be in the top five or six or seven, somewhere around in there. You never know about Clemson, uh, how much how much that impact is recruiting. And that's a very young team. They lost a lot on defense. But Georgia, Georgia's a team, Jonathan, sitting at number eight right now. They have two five-stars, nine four-stars. To me, Georgia should be number one in recruiting every year, if you want to know the honest truth about it. This, is, this state is stacked with talent, man. I mean, it's – it's not as – it's Florida. It really is. Georgia's loaded. And and the fact that they're not number one, two, or three every year shows that they're letting people get out of their state, Jonathan. You can't take everybody, but if you're Georgia, you got to take the best. How do you think Kirby Smart's going to close out his first national signing day? I, th- I think he may make a little noise, honestly. I think he may do good. But uh, Georgia was 16 right there with a lot of room. I think George is going to make a push, and what Kirby Smart has going for him is that uh, you know, West Georgia is really considered Alabama and Auburn territory. I mean, you know, West Georgia is considered Alabama-Auburn. That's, their, that's part of their recruiting state. You, the state of Alabama might as well annex that right, and make it part of their own. Okay? Kirby knows that area pretty well. He's got great relationships over there. So he can go in there and get some of the talent that Georgia hasn't been able to get before. Now, you know, the battle he's got to fight is, let's face it, northern Georgia is really Tennessee territory. Southern Georgia is Florida and Florida State. And right along the coast is South Carolina and Clemson. So he's got to win the battle in Atlanta. He's got to kick Alabama and Auburn out of his state, which he should be able to do now. (laughs) Um, and then he's got to try and muscle out Clemson to South Carolina. You're never going to be able to muscle out Florida, Florida State, just because Florida State got their hold in too early and Florida keeps beating them. <laughs> but, you know, that's what they have to try and do is just get their edges back, and then they can start working their way north and south. I think it can be done. I have faith in Kirby Smart because he's learned how to recruit for one of the best. Yeah, and in Florida – Number six right now, they were 26 commits. It looks like they're about full. No five stars, nine four stars, and 17 three stars. I, and I'm not trying to bash Florida right now. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trying to bash them. But you would think with with Jim McElwain with 26 commitments, some at least two of those, three of those, would be five stars, especially when he's from the state of Florida, Jonathan. I mean, Florida, there's no reason. You look at Florida State, they've got a five-star. Heck, Ole Miss has three. Why can't Florida get a five-star to commit? That's the first time I remember in a long time. Well, because Florida State's dominating the top-end talent in the state. That's a fact. I mean, that that's a fact. 
Uh, Florida State <laughs> is dominating recruiting in the state of Florida. You know, and if you want to disagree with that, Florida fans, go ahead. Get get from make that phone call. Call call in. I dare you. I'd like I'd like for you to argue that because you can't. I mean, we, we're seeing this right now, and the word is right now that one of Florida's Florida stars is about to flip the Florida State. We don't know which one it is, and you know, it's just a rumor. But apparently, there's four of them that are talking about it. One of them going to do it tomorrow. So Florida, they need to figure out what it takes to get the stronghold back in recruiting. I don't know if they can ever get it back. Because apparently Jimbo and Brewster have just taken. I mean, we own Miami. Um, you know, we're, we're, we own South Florida. Everything south of, let's say, St. Petersburg, we own. Everything north of Ocala, we essentially own now. So oddly enough, Florida State is just fighting to be able to recruit my home area of the state, which I I find kind of depressing. Um, so, are you con- I mean, are you concerned? Are you concerned with Mark Rick to Miami? Maybe coming in no. there and stealing some of those recruits. No, I'm not concerned at all. Jimbo Fisher and Brewster own Miami. Um, and, you know what's going to happen is Mark's going to go up the Atlantic coast, and I honestly, if he's smart, he's going to start in Jacksonville and work his way down because that's what Schnellenberger did. That's what Mark needs to do. You need to go ahead and dominate the Atlantic coast. Okay, once you get that, leave Florida State, Florida defend for the rest of the state. But if you get the Atlantic Coast, you can dominate the state. There's a lot of talent all, all up and down there. Yeah, uh, there is, and uh, I'm, I just think we're going to have a big shakeup. Right now, I'm not, I'm not impressed with with Michigan either. With 25 commits, I mean the way Jim Harbaugh's uh, spending the night with teams and stuff. I mean. Should he be in jail? Should he be a head coach? Watching? Should he have a five star as much sleepovers as many sleepovers as he's having? <laughs> um, well, my, my, the bar that I've gotten out of Michigan is they're waiting on a kicker to commit, and that was actually the kid that the sleepover with the Penn State <laughs> thing. Um, it's that kicker, so they're, wait, they're kind of waiting <laughs> on that kicker to commit. Um, that I guess is it's, not, it's almost. They think it's a lock, but he still has some Penn State ties. I guess he still really likes Penn State. Uh, and then uh, that probably the worst kept secret is the number one recruit in the nation's mother loves Michigan. Uh, Rashawn Gary or Gray or whatever it is, um, his mother loves Michigan. It's the only school she hasn't freaked out and thrown a fit about. Um, so the, the expectation is that he's going to commit to Michigan. And there's your – um, you know, Harbaugh just pulled one, pulled a fast one on us. Um, you know, right I'm, then and there. I hope Auburn gets in. That's, they got about a one percent chance, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, from what I've heard, it's coming down to Michigan and USC. Hey, the bag man shows up. You know what can happen. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm saying. And, and hey, uh, Quinn's with us. Welcome to the show, Quinn. I'm your host hey. here. All right, who, who, who said that on the movie Tombstone? All right, let's talk some sports. Who's running this show here, Jonathan? I mean, I'll talk comedies, I'll talk violence, I'll talk anything on this radio show, Quinn. Grow up and go watch some movies. Yeah, Quinn, we really can't be friends. <laughs> 
That's a part of the movie, too. So you have to watch that. Quinn, what do you think about Alabama uh, telling this kid a couple days before signing day and a great year, and they're trying to get the live start right And I mean, how does the agent keep getting in with this man and killing these kids right there for signing day? It's to be done. But he's not just there to protect one of these. These investments is bad for a year to come to Tulsa, and now he's told to go out to Gracia. Yeah, I mean, I I don't quite understand. I don't quite understand that expecting kids to Gracia like that. I I I personally don't think it's right, but you know, I guess you got to do what you have to do. Well, Jonathan, I, I think it's I, uh. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a class move because I think it just shows you have one sign and that's you. I mean, it doesn't. It, I mean, Saban should say, you know what, with the kid, we we have a scholarship. He accepted. We're going to cover that. Pretty five star that wants to come in late. We're out of spots right now. I mean, shouldn't Saban do that if he really cared about the players? Don't you think he would do that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I agree with that. I think there is a. Um... I, I think there's a, a big problem across the nation with this whole gray shirting thing in Alabama. Uh, it does come off as kind of a used car salesman, a little sleazy, um, especially because he kind of springs on the kids late enough to where they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. You know, do you take them into Alabama or do you decommit and then who's got, who, who else got a spot for you? Luckily, because you're committed to Alabama, other teams will have a spot waiting for you. Uh, that's the good thing uh, about, you know, being committed to a school like Alabama, Florida State, or Auburn, or Georgia. You know, other schools will take you. Uh, but I'm not a fan of the gray shirting thing. It, uh, it bothers me. It really does, because you promised mm-hmm. this kid for over a year that, you know, he's going to have a scholarship, and now you're going, hey, uh, well, Here's the deal, son. I'm not a fan. No, me neither. And it's just the word doesn't mean anything. It's like you've you, you accepted a dollar from a client you signed up for. You're starting in two weeks. All of a sudden, you turn into this and a week later, they can say, um, yeah, we're not going to. We found somebody a little better than you. We're not going to use you. All of a sudden, you're out of a job, you know. Your words mean anything. A signature doesn't. And I, I just think that to be a time in football, kids like that, you know, if you're, you've been committed the year before the signing deadline or so, you should be able to sign a document that says, I'm going to do Alabama. And that's all. For those kids know where there's no doubt to be able to sign. And they should have to honor the scholarship. And here's the deal, Alabama: if you didn't want the kid, don't offer him, and don't 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 accept his commitment that early, if that's what you're wanting to do. I just I just think it's sorry, especially two days, three days before signing day. It's different if it was three or four months. You get a chance to go visit Auburn, give him a chance to go visit uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, wherever. But don't make him be committed to you for a year and then do this to him. And but, but here's the deal: it's going to be okay. Because Nick Saban's doing it, it's okay. Because King Saban, he does. I mean, just like the steroids, just like the payment of players. I mean, all this stuff nobody talks about. But one day, Quinn, one day you're gonna hear it. 
You're going to hear about yeah. everything I've been saying for the last few years. And Nick Saban, it's going to come crashing down one day. I don't know when, but he, he's the same person that got this old Miss crap started again. Alabama's behind us. I'll bet you $100 right now. Alabama's behind us because this is racking up some five stars, and they beat Alabama two years ago. So now all that old Miss is cheating. We all knew that, but but why, why Jonathan, why – why is the former recruiting we hear about all this now? Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if it was the NCAA dragging their feet like they're so good at, or if it was a little bit of late whistleblowing. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely a interesting situation. No matter what, there's you know the NCAA always seems to have great timing. I mean, I remember when the Jameis Winston thing kind of became public. Um, it happened right after the ACC, or right for the ACC championship game. Well, if that isn't perfect timing, uh, you, have, you have this situation where it's a week before signing day. Oh, no, the timing's not suspicious at all on this. So, you know, it's, it's something that happens time and time again. Now, I just want to go back to Alabama really quick. Michigan... Tells you know Michigan did the same thing essentially Alabama did where they you know, they pulled a kid's scholarship, but I guess he'd been given the heads up a couple months in advance that it could happen. Okay, so they told him to go to Right, and they were more, they were bashed mercilessly. I mean, every fan base attacked them. How come they're not doing the same thing to Saban? I have not seen the public outrage with Saban grace hurting like I have with other teams who just who pull a scholarship. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just I'm just sick of of stories coming out like this, and and, and really, when it got me was Cam when Auburn was real good and Cam Newton that came out that all this crap happened when they had all this information before the season started. They had when Auburn was three and oh, four and oh, five and oh, six and oh, seven and oh, eight and oh, and then when he was running away with the Heisman Trophy and possible national championship. Well, hold on a minute, let me let me pull this out of my back pocket. Well, mm-hmm. the the SEC is going to turn into the Southwest Conference, guys. It's going to be everybody's going to have a gun out and they're going to start firing at each other, and all of us are going to be dead because, uh, you know, everybody knows where the bones, where the bodies are buried, guys. They know, and mm-hmm. trust me when I say that. Every school out there does some some dirty things when it comes to recruiting. Uh, Notre Dame, Auburn, Florida State, everybody does some. Not cheating, I would say, but you know, pushing the envelope, I'd say, or doing something that that that's not ethical. And Jonathan, you know that happens. I mean, you're a Florida State guy. Do you think Florida State ever pay player? Do you do you think that ever happens? No. <laughs> <I'm right. laughs> what do you want me to say, Brian? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think there've been instances of it, of course. Um, you can't always, and SMU found this out, uh, and I think every school at some point does. You can't always control your boosters, and you can't always control your fan base. Let's let's just be honest for a second. And do I think things like that have happened? Of course I do. Do I think there have been coaches who have slipped the kid a couple hundred bucks now and then just because the, the kid needs it? Yeah, of course. You know, we, we've heard stories about that where schools get put on probation because the coach gave the kid 200 bucks so he would go home and see his mom or whatever it was. Um, you know, so you, you know, so you can put, you know, get diapers and food for the kid. I mean, we've seen this before. We've heard this story, uh, and everything's a rule violation. And that's why I think the NCAA, 
you know, there's pros and cons to trying to keep the am- amateurism, but I don't think I think this is a conversation for another day. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm gonna go back to this. If Auburn paid Cam Newton 180 thousand dollars, congratulations, because it was worth every penny, baby. What he's brought to you and what he's still bringing to you. So you you need to pay him 180 thousand every year <laughs> for the rest of his life because that was the best investment you ever made, Jay Jacobs, getting those guys in there paying him. But uh, this Pro Bowl is pretty good. Russell Wilson starts out with a bomb down the field, man. He's, he's got a long-term contract in. Eli drove down for a touchdown. The defense is looking really good in the Pro Bowl right now. And I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, Jonathan. When Jameis Winston comes in, that's when the defense is going to start playing the hardest. You watch and see. You watch and see. I just want to get off that just one second. You watch. I don't watch the Pro Bowl. I'm watching the NHL All-Star game. It's much more fun. Uh, hockey. I can't watch hockey. I'm sorry. I can't do it. It's, it's, it's too okay. cold. Too, vi- too violent for me. It's too violent for me. Oh, come on! <laughs> too violent. I wouldn't say it's, it's any worse than football. And if you watch UFC or stuff, it's not any worse than that either. <laughs> I know, I'm joking, Quinn. I'm just I'm just not a hockey guy. Jonathan tried to get me into hockey, I just didn't get into it. Oh, I'm sorry know. guys. A great sport One day. football football's not around, man. It really is. Maybe I need to start watching. Maybe I'll try to do that. Um the Super Bowl's coming up, guys, but we're gonna come back to signing day. We're gonna come back to that. But Yeah, I, I wanted to comment on Super Alabama on I, Go ahead, actually Quinn. Think, Go ahead. I actually think uh, with this gray shirting, since it happened a couple of years ago, I think it could actually start hurting Alabama a little bit in getting these top recruits. Because if they because if they start thinking, well, this could happen to me, they may be hesitant to well, commit to Alabama. Well, well, Quinn, well, Quinn, a top recruit's not going to be great. That's the only thing. I mean. The gray shirts are these three stars. You know, people that really, you may think they're good. Maybe I'm wrong about that. You don't, you don't remember the top ten groups of the country worrying about being gray shirted either. Uh, they're, they're, they're playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. And, you know, you're right about that. And at the same time, I, I do think Alabama is uh, seeing some effects of this, though. Uh, you know, we've seen kids transfer out uh, when they, and we've also seen, especially with the running backs. Uh, you know, I remember a couple of years back when they signed about what four, or, or I think it was top four running backs in the class, the Derrick Henry class. And I want to say two or three of those kids wound up transferring out. So I think there's definitely Alabama starting to see some effects of how you know they've mass recruited just the top players um, all the way around. Uh, they're starting to see some of the negative effects of that. But it's still they're still gonna be able to pull the top kid essentially from every position, and that's that's just the one thing with Alabama that it's not gonna end until Nick Saban's gone in all reality. Yeah, yeah, all things that go up is gonna come down, and I I think Clemson is a team that kind of showed that. You look at Alabama with all those years of number one recruiting classes with everything they've done, Quinn. They, they they dominated recruiting, but yet they barely beat Clemson. And Clemson's been – they're like Auburn. They're about a top ten recruiting class to do it consistently. They get a quarterback in, all of a sudden they're ready for a championship. It took everything Alabama had to to win that championship. 
guys to do that. So Harbaugh did it or has started doing it. Saban's done it for years with the gray shirts. Uh, you know, LSU has done it for a while. Um, some coaches just, just do that practice and, and, you know, it works out just fine for them. Uh, and other coaches, you know, I don't think you get away with it. Uh, it's interesting because 
for the first time, really, Jimbo Fisher is going to be put more, more than likely, or maybe I should say, in a similar type of position because they don't have a lot of roster spots remaining. And they have about, I don't know, about five or six guys who are legitimately on the board still. Uh, they don't have five or six spots. They may have four, maybe five, but then you're talking about gray shirts. Then you're talking about releasing uh, guys off the roster from the, you know, those juniors and seniors who aren't playing, uh, about not giving them their scholarships anymore. So uh, it, it is something that some recruits watch. I think it's, your, it's those three stars uh, who are probably a little bit more worried and then low four stars. Um, but, you know, in today's today's you know, recruiting Tarvin and, you know, where coaches who win nine and ten games get fired, I think the pressure is on. And, to, and you know, uh, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a plug to Mike Farrell off Rivals who came up with a really good idea, I thought, and tweeted it out from our way in sports talk that talked about, you know, uh, when a kid could sign and when a, when, a, when a coach makes a decision to leave and it gives a kid a month or two to release, you know, and, Basically made it binding. So if you offer a kid his freshman year of high school, uh, and you 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 know you have three ways to offer it, you can say, hey, we're interested, or if you offer him a scholarship, it's binding at that point. I think that would stop a lot of this early recruiting where you have guys committed for two years and then all of a sudden you realize, well, maybe they're not the five star we thought. Maybe they're a three star. So it's time to move on. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, recruiting is a dirty game, but tell me some surprises you think maybe on signing day. What what team out there? How do you think Auburn's going to do? They have a lot of commitments out there, you know, possibilities out there. I think they have 16 or 17 commitments. How do you think Gus Malzahn finishes up with a season that was not good on the field, um, losing Muschamp, losing some coaches? Right now they're about number 11. Where do you think they end up? Well, I think I think Auburn will close um, pretty well. I mean, I, I think if you're an Auburn fan, I wouldn't expect a huge run. I think they're gonna they're gonna grab one or two players that are that are gonna be big. Um, they're not gonna make the five player push like we're gonna see Alabama do for sure. I mean, Alabama's gonna close ridiculous. They may they may get three 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 five stars. I mean, that, that's that's just an just unheard of. Oh, that's definite. Uh, yeah, I mean, and the other team that's really big on watching, Texas could close really strong, but it's not really lining up right now. We'll see if they get this linebacker that they're battling with Florida State for. I think they will, is my, my, my prediction. I think they'll move up. If you're talking about a top 25 class for them, we're not talking about top five, top ten. I think Auburn could push into the top ten. I would expect they're going to be right on the bubble. I think Florida State, uh, depending on what Jimbo does and how many of these kids are in play, are going to be a number two, one-ish, but Bama's going to really make a push to get that number one again. Um, so I'd watch for a lot of fun on, on Tuscaloosa, uh, probably Tallahassee, um, maybe Texas uh, as well. So we'll see. Well, the pockets are deep in Tuscaloosa, man. So uh, those boosters, <laughs> they love their football there. So, so I know they're going to be closed and strong. I think Saban's bored. He, he needs to have some fun with people on signing day. Well, Trey – you know, we're about to get in the Super Bowl. What do you think about the matchup we have here? Cam Newton and the Panthers against the, the Sheriff and the Broncos. Is this a good game in your mind, or is this something that that's just going to be a blowout, kind of like the Seattle-Denver game a few years back? You know, I kind of like this matchup. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan, nor – sorry, my daughter's up loud. I'm not a fan, nor am I a, a hater of either team. I actually kind of root for – a good game, and I'd be happy for both. I think the storyline for Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers 
I mean, they're possibly the best team all year. So if they win, it's deserved. And you think, wow, what a great run. You know, Cam Newton is a fun player to watch. That defense for Carolina is ridiculous. I mean, who doesn't like Luke Keekley? Uh, the same point, I mean, you know, Peyton Manning last game ever. Tarvin wouldn't – I mean, I know you're a Cam Newton fan, but does anybody really hate the storyline of watching Peyton Manning win and then punch just like John Elway did as a Bronco? So, I mean, I think well, two yeah. great storylines – you know, hopefully it's a good game. How about the HGH, though, with Peyton Manning? Where does that fall in if they do win and then it comes out they use HGH? How's that going to tarnish his legacy? Oh, well, I mean, I think it would. Yeah. yeah, I think it would. Hold on a second. Ask Ray Lewis. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's that's what – and I just wonder who put that out. And, and look, where there's smoke, there is fire. There's some truth to that. Do I think – do I think Peyton Manning used HGH? Probably. I mean, did he do it to cheat? No. I mean, I, I don't even think it was illegal when he did use it. Um, I just think he's trying to heal up to try to be able to get back on the field. You look at Peyton Manning, he's not a muscular guy. Jonathan, he's not the incredible Hulk. He's not having a career year. I think he did it because he's old and he needed to heal. And I just don't think it's cheating when you do it that way. And you know what I learned? Hmm. According to the USADA, pretty much in every supplement that we take as people, if you want to take, like, a supplement or anything, there's probably something in that product that is USADA banned. I just thought I'd say that and how ridiculous that is. No, it is. It, it, it's extremely ridiculous. Uh, my, my, whole, my whole point with Peyton Manning, and I'm – Basing this off, I believe this is Peyton last game. We have witnessed a fantastic career. Uh, for him to make it to the Super Bowl is outstanding and, uh, you know, first out Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. But Ray Lewis had that stink right before his Super Bowl in 2011 uh, with the deer antler spray. It was the same thing that Alabama got attention for uh, when they played LSU for the title. Um, so I, I just think hasn't followed Ray's up, and I don't think it's going to follow Peyton. I think at the end of the day, people are going to look at it and just go, forget about it. Who cares? He's out of the league. Uh, he was one of the best to play, um, and it is what it is. You know, it's just kind of, you know, it's the same way that happened with Ray Lewis. Nobody still talks about Ray Lewis as a deer in the When you think of Ray Lewis, you don't think of that at all. And, you know, so I don't think that that, I don't think it's going to tarnish, tarnish, and I don't think it's going to follow Peyton's legacy. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think Peyton Manning can win this game. Uh, I'll be honest, HGH or no HGH or anything, I don't think he cheated, but I just, Vegas is trying to tell us something, Trey. I mean, the line is about six right now. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what Carolina's favored. I, I really think it – I don't know, I just – from what I can see, I can't see Denver scoring the scoring on Carolina. I can't see them extending that field and making the defense work for Carolina. I think they're just going to pin their ears back and come to stop the run and the pass at the same time. I just I can't see Denver scoring touchdowns. I can see them kicking field goals, but I just can't see them scoring. Yeah, you know, Tarvin. What's interesting about um, about you know Peyton Manning and you know what's going to be his legacy? And you know, Jonathan brought some good points. I mean. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, Ray Lewis's number one problem in his career wasn't deer antler spray. It was kind of like you know blood all over his clothes, murder. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but you know he's he's still on ESPN. So you know that should tell you something. 
Um, but, you know, I, what's interesting about Peyton Manning and, you know, the, the HGH stuff is maybe a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, but Tarvin, I've never I've heard of a lot of straight football fans who all of a sudden believed in Al Jazeera Report, um, which is not a bad network. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying so that you is now going bankrupt. Well, yeah, I mean, at least in America they are. Yeah, they're America affiliate. So, I mean, you know, what's interesting about that is, is you know, who who, who created the report? Uh, it hasn't really been verified by a lot of other people. Um, it has led to a lot of investigations. So, I mean, eventually it will come out, um, you know, whether there's any validity to this. I mean, I think MLB is running a, a big investigation. So, you know, if they come out, in a, you know, eight months from now, and they, and they have really clear evidence, will it tarnish his legacy? Probably. I mean, but, it, you know, if it's one of those things that comes out and we never really get proved and it just kind of sits there and lingers, nobody's going to remember it. I mean, you know, he'll be up either commentating or coaching, and we'll all get past it. Well, I want to see Peyton Manning in, in well. I want to see him, you know, score on one of the last drives to put Denver up top up on top, and I'd like to see Cam Newton bring him back down and win. That way it wasn't Peyton Manning's fault. You know, he, he did his job, but the Denver defense lets him down. But, but, but Trey, I know you weren't – you haven't been a big Cam Newton fan when he came into the NFL. I know you didn't think he would be at this level. Is it surprising you the way Cam Newton's performing this year or, or, or what? Yeah, I've been impressed with – you know, I've never been a huge fan of his. Um, I actually kind of – I like watching him. I, I think – a lot of the – what I've heard is criticisms is kind of ridiculous. I mean, uh, people who uh, want to criticize him for dancing in the end zone, I'm like, really? Um, you know, that, 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 that's – yeah, I just find that to be uh, just quite honestly just a really bad argument. Uh, he's really cleaned up his act off the field. He does a lot of stuff in Carolina with, with kids and a lot of charity organizations. That's what you ask. I mean, that's what you want of a guy like him. I, mean, I don't know what else you could ask of him. He's matured quite a bit on the field, which was kind of always my problem in the NFL. Um, you and I talked about it on previous shows, Tarvin, where he kind of acts like you know acted like a baby um, when other players did something or you know interceptions. But you really seen him grow up. He's a leader of that team. He's a leader off the field. I mean, I don't know what else you could ask for a guy, uh, especially in this position. So I mean, if he wins it, and I'm gonna give him a give him an applause, and you know, I'll be happy for him because. He's really, really progressing to a great quarterback. Yeah, we, we we go from Cam Newton and we go to Johnny Manziel, Trey, a guy that can't seem to stay out of trouble or out of the news. And here he is now. The cops called, you know, helicopters are looking for Johnny Manziel after another dispute with a woman. I mean, when is this kid going to grow up? I think never. That's my honest opinion. I think he was spoiled as a kid and daddy's money has spoiled him. So give me your thoughts on Johnny. Well, I mean, as bad as it is to say, because he was actually decently effective this year for Cleveland. I mean, every two years they're losing a coach. The organization is completely in disarray. They can't seem to draft anybody. Um, They really are at a position where if they don't cut him, Tarvin, you're right, Manziel's never going to get better. Uh, It seems like what Manziel probably needs in his life is to be cut from the NFL and and make someone – um, sort of interview him for a second chance because I, I just I just don't see any progression from him and in, in understanding you know when you're in the NFL and you have the extra scrutiny you know again nothing huge on his part I mean he hasn't you know no no crimes no real no crimes or anything 
But at the same point, he's always in the news negatively. And for a franchise like Cleveland that is just, you know, a negatively sort of publicized team, they really need something else. And you got to wonder, especially with this quarterback draft, Tarvin, this is setting up like another three-year disaster run for Cleveland because they overreach again on a quarterback, a Paxton Lynch or a Jeff Goff, you know, this kid out of North Dakota State. <laughs> I mean, they're going to reach for some yeah, kid who's that. not first-round grade. The quarterbacks this year are not anywhere near where they were last year where you had Winston and Marietta, who people actually thought come in the league. And, uh, and these guys aren't like that. These guys are guys who are developmental. I mean, they may be good if they bench. I mean, so if you go into Cleveland and you draft one of those guys, I mean, you're talking about another two to three years setback. So Cleveland really needed Johnny Menzel to do well, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. You know what Cleveland should do? They should, you know, listen to Gus Malzahn. At least he knows, you know, which quarterbacks can play in the NFL. They need to go to Jacksonville, get get Nick Marshall, let him run the quarterback, and just say, do it. Whatever you want to do, just just do it. I mean, Cleveland's terrible. I mean, who are they? This Lynch guy, Jonathan. I mean, Auburn shut him down. And let's let's face it, Auburn doesn't have a great defense. I mean, they they shut him down. They made him look like a a, a JUCO quarterback. Is really what they made him look like. I mean, what, what what's Cleveland going to do now? I mean, they drafted Johnny Menzel, which was stupid. And now, now, now where did they go? Well, I, and it all depends on how the draft shakes up. I mean, you have Jared Goff at a cow, who I, I think is a talented quarterback. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, is he a starter in the NFL next year? I don't know. From what I've seen from him, I think he's per, I think he's actually pretty dang good. Um, I think there's a chance he could come in and be somebody uh, for for a team that you know you're 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 looking for. Um, it's just the the thing with Paxton Lynch is people are falling in love with him because he has the size and the athleticism and he has the arm. I don't know what he's got in his you know in between the noggin and not for nothing. You know I think Paxton Lynch is a, a Blake Bortles situation. Well, Blake Bortles played extremely well this year. You know, but I think if you bring in Paxton Lynch and you think he's going to start right away and he's going to deliver something to your franchise, you're mistaken. I think Paxton Lynch is going to need at least a year or two to grow. Uh, Jared Goff, I think, is going to need another year to grow. Um, You know, Carson Wentz uh, from North Dakota State, I've heard a lot of good things about him. I know the Cowboys like him. Uh, My thing with him is, you know, he ended his collegiate career on the sideline uh, due, due to injury. So, you know, we got to see how he how he's coming back from that and everything. And then you have Connor Cook out of Michigan State, who oh god, not for nothing, but I'm not a huge fan of his. Um, I never he really happened. Um, and there's a lot of teams that are in love with Connor Cook. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that progresses. It you almost feels like he's going to flip. You forgot about Hackenberg. Hackenberg's not a first-round pick. There's no need mentioning him. He's not okay. a first-round pick. Christian Hackenberg what? is going to be a third or fourth-round pick, and he's going to be developmental. He's going to be developed. Uh, he's a developmental prospect. I think uh, Houston – of all, if anybody reaches for him before the third round, it's going to be Houston because Bill O'Brien's already worked with him. He knows what he's going to have. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Hackenberg's in any sort of a conversation. Would I be a fool saying that he will that he'll end up the best out of all of them in the NFL? 
No. No, I think no. Hackenberg has a lot of talent. I think Hackenberg's a good quarterback who is on one of the worst offensive teams I've seen. You know, we all got to remember, Hackenberg as a freshman was pretty dang good. I mean, Hackenberg was really good as a freshman with Bill O'Brien's system. And that's also the same team that had guys like Donovan Smith as part of the offensive line. Donovan Smith did a pretty good job of starting left tackle of Tampa Buccaneers last year. Uh, so I, you know, we saw the issues in the Georgia game specifically where he got knocked out and the offensive line looked very shaky. So I, I think the Hackenberg might be the best prospect in all of them. Um, I think we could see somebody else who could be a, a good prospect. Uh, somebody like a Carson Wentz, who, as long as he's not drafted to the stage of a franchise, could be good. All these quarterbacks you guys have mentioned, the one thing they haven't really had is a big stage to play on. We really don't don't know much about them, Trey. I mean, with Winston and Mariota, all that, we saw the biggest stages there there have been in college football. They played on them. They they won. Winston won a championship. Winston won a Heisman. Mariota played. In, champ- or in the final four, but this Hackenberg guy, I think he is the best one, but this this golf and the Lynch, all these guys that, that play for these crappy teams, what have they done, and what have they done to make you think that they could play in the NFL? I mean, I, I haven't seen them play anybody. Well, I mean, you got to think about um, the situation in Cleveland and some of these teams that are far better suited uh, to take a quarterback and develop them. I, I really don't think any of these guys I, – I agree that Jonathan Goss is the closest. And I watched some of the wins at the, at the, at the Senior Bowl this week. You know, again, a lot of hype, a lot of hype, right? Senior Bowl hype, that's great. Uh, and there's not a lot of players in the Senior Bowl at quarterback position to hype up, so sure. Um, but I'm just I'm telling you, I, I don't think any of these guys can come in day one in NFL right now and really move a team – towards the playoff. I mean, I don't even agree with the Bortles uh, is a good representation because Bortles sort of was a, you know, big gunslinger kind of guy, like sort of like Roethlisberger. Um, I don't see any guys in that mold. I think golf is close. Uh, if you gave him maybe, you know, 10 games to watch, maybe at the end of the first year he could come in and be productive. Um, but, you know, I, I just look at this. I mean, Bortles was tremendous this year, but it took him a full year last year of really being pretty stinky to to be a quality quarterback this year, uh, and Jacksonville is ready to give him that. Uh, I don't think Cleveland and some of these teams are ready to actually just tank a year um, and, and wait. Well, Trey, Trey, I'm gonna tell you something funny, and, I, and look, you know, I like Auburn. You know that everybody knows that. But do you think Jeremy Johnson out of these quarterbacks, just say in the future, say we look down the road ten years? Will Jeremy Johnson of Auburn have more success in the NFL than these guys we've been talking about tonight, Trey? Mm. Wow, Jeremy, Jeremy Johnson, who, who may or might not even be a starter in college football next year, right? Yeah. I don't think uh, – I mean, here's the deal. It's, it's, it's Gus's fault. No, I'm, I'm talking about – I think Jeremy Johnson in a pro-style offense would be pretty good. He lost all of his confidence. That's the honest truth. I think it's Gus's fault. I think a lot of things happened, but I think Jeremy Johnson's better is, than than what he played this year and what he's going to be next year. I think once he gets to the NFL level and, and deals with somebody that actually knows about the quarterback position, how to develop a kid, I think Jeremy Johnson's going to be a stud. Not, I, I thought Luke Marshall would be a you know a, a pretty good quarterback in the NFL if somebody would give him a chance, but 
Jeremy's got all the tools, Trey. I mean, his size, his arm strength. Um, he just hasn't done it on the big stage yet, really. But I think he's better yeah. than all these guys we talked about today. I really do. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so because the big thing that Jeremy Johnson has done, and what will prevent him from even being drafted unless he changes significantly, is his is his you know be able to read defenses and make smart decisions. Uh, because a lot of guys he's smart. <laughs> well, you, you, you saw those throws right to the other team, man. He was, <laughs> yeah, I was dead say, on yeah. to me. Uh, I know a lot of people thought he was pretty good. Yeah, they were all defensive coordinators. Uh, but I will say that, you know, there's something said about Lucas Malzahn and not developing quarterbacks. Um, you know, everybody gave him a lot of credit for They said, oh, he developed Nick Marshall, who was defensive back. Well, you know, that offense he was running wasn't very complex for throws. Uh, and you know, yeah, you do have Jeremy Johnson, who was a pro-style quarterback coming out of high school. People thought that he, you know, he was like an option guy, and he wasn't. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting point that could Jeremy Johnson be, be developed in a better system? Maybe I don't know. If I, if I was Jeremy, I'd come out this year since the quarterback pool stuck so bad, and just say, you know what, I'm starting over. I'm going to the NFL. Somebody's going to pick him up just because of the size, Jonathan, and and let him come and make the team. Jeremy Johnson's going to be a quarterback in the NFL one day. Will he be great? No, but he's going to be okay. He'll he'll be better than Johnny Manziel ever thought about being. Uh, okay. Okay. In the NFL. In the NFL. Johnny needs help. Johnny needs help. That's what Johnny needs. Johnny needs to go out of the league for a year or two, go get all the help he needs, get positive influences in, in his life, and then come back. That's what Johnny needs. Nah, Johnny needs about to go four home inches and stay too. Home. Yeah, I'm just go talking about six six guys. He's a six six quarterback with the size of Jeremy Johnson. He's got a very powerful arm. He can't run. He doesn't like to get hit. He 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 does struggle with reading defenses, like Trey said. I mean, it's obvious. I, I mean, I get it, but that's. You know, I don't know. I just, I just think he's Jonathan Crofton. He's Jonathan Crofton, the kid out of Tennessee who was never really good, but oh look, he has all the physical tools. He should be an NFL quarterback. But his favorite receiver was always wearing the other jersey. That's all he is. He's Jonathan Crofton. Jonathan Crofton lasted one training camp with the Chargers. It was never, never heard from ever again. Well, Trey, Trey, what about Jacob Coker? I mean, you're a former state guy. He plays there. Do you think he has a shot to, to make a squad? Coker has a shot. Um, Lane Kiffin's development of him has really set him up for a possibility of being drafted and developing. I'll tell you that, Carvin, the, the kid who actually – I mean, you talk about Jeremy Johnson, who has just as good a shot. I mean, he's what, Jeremy Johnson kind of clones. Uh, what about Cardell Jones? I mean, he's going to keep coming out this year. He'll get drafted at some point. Size, speed, but, you know, reading defenses is a problem. I would take him because, you know what? I mean, you got to take – everybody wants that next quarterback. You look at everything in the NFL right now is all about the quarterback, everything. You look at New England success, Brady, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, all these quarterbacks, quarterbacks. You've got to take a chance on them. Why not? I mean – could Jones he'll be a be, good quarterback? I don't know. He'll be drafted by somebody that can actually afford the time to develop him. Somebody like a Pittsburgh, where Ben's 30, what, 34, 35. Somebody like the Giants, 
Um, the, the Cardinals with Carson, who's, you know, up there in age, I believe he's 36. Uh, you know, somebody who can actually spend the time to develop him and let him grow on the bench. Well, that's Cardell Jones. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I missed this guy. So he is coming out, Trey, for sure. He did declare. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He he, okay. he announced on Twitter, like, okay. before the final game that he was coming out. I remember that. I remember that now. I'm sorry. I just – my brain went blank on me there. But Yeah, he uh, announced been, when they lost to Michigan State. Yeah, the was a cry baby. Cry baby. I, I wouldn't even draft you for that. But, Trey, uh, Trey we, we, we were talking earlier about – I don't think you were on – when, when I was talking about, look at what Alabama's done throughout the recruiting, you know, back to recruiting real quick, because I forgot to ask you this when you came back home. They've dominated recruiting over the last, what, seven, eight years, whatever it's been. But look how close Clemson was to beating them. Look how close, you know, I mean, it's just, it goes to show you that the quarterback position, if, if somebody, a top 10 team, Jonathan mentioned like Auburn, how consistent they are, Clemson teams, you're not, finishing number one, but you're number 10 every year or something. You find a quarterback, you can win a championship. It took out everything Alabama had to win that game against Clemson. I mean, when is Alabama's run going to be over, man? That's that's what I want to know from you. When are we going to quit talking about Alabama being uh, the top team in the country? Well, I mean, we'll stop talking about them. Probably when Nick Saban retires. I mean, Nick Saban is one of the greatest recruiters uh, and best college coaches to have ever been part of the game. I mean, he has mastered, I mean, the modern-day recruiting. And he did it, you know, back in 2009 before other people were catching on. I mean, love it or hate it, the way he, you know, gray shirts, players. Writing checks. Yeah, I mean, put, putting off, like, so you're a junior at Alabama. You know, may, you may have been a four-star player, but you can't make the depth chart. Save it for your scholarship. You know, does that sound cold? Sure. Do fans care? No. Because why? Nick Saban <laughs> wins championships. I mean, so, I mean, he, he's mastered what what you have to do today. I mean, with, with people like Mark Rick yes. getting fired with 10 wins after 10 wins after 10 wins, you know, Bo Pelini, all these guys who were winning 9 and 10 games, you know, he he's the standard that everyone looks up to. So yeah, kids are gonna play for him. I mean, Trey, Trey, I don't think I don't think Saban's the best coach in the country. I think Saban's the best CEO in the country. I mean, I, I just think he's got that he's got the model what you do to win. I mean, I don't think yeah. he's a great like coach. I mean, we we saw him at Michigan State. He wasn't that good. We saw him at the Dolphins. He wasn't that good. We saw. I mean, unless he has superior talent, he doesn't win. I mean, and, and and to me, a great coach could win with, you know, just about anybody. But I think he's got the recipe down. I don't know. Do you think Kirby Smart can take, just, just because he worked with Nick Saban for, for eight or nine years, do you think that's enough to, to say Georgia's no. going to be ready for a championship in the next couple of years because Kirby Smart's oh. there? Maybe. Well, Kirby Smart will bring Tarvin, and I don't know if he's a good kid, coach or not. I mean, to be honest, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, Saban has come out and said that he let Kirby Smart run the defense a couple years ago. I mean, so Kirby Smart had been run, had been basically maybe not even running the defense for most of that time. Who knows what the real <laughs> what the real the real percentage of play calling was? Uh, so I don't know if he's going to be a great head coach. I know that one thing, Tarvin that he will at least have picked up the recruiting uh, sort of tempo and mantra that Saban has. 
So if he, I mean, Georgia was already pulling in top ten classes under Rick. So if he can get that, maybe top five a year versus top ten, then all of a sudden, as weak as the East is in the SEC, then then you're in the championship game year in and year out. And then of course you have a shot every, you know, when you play that game. So maybe he can get over the hump. Maybe not. I mean, I, I know that he will probably recruit pretty well, um, and he showed it so far. I mean, Georgia's got a lot of talent. They're going to sign on signing day too look for a possible bump from them. Um, but uh, who knows if he's a good coach or not? I don't know. Uh, I don't think – I don't. I just think it's these guys that come out and they've worked under somebody and people think they're going to bring that same magic. It's just not the same. I mean, Kirby Smart, Auburn wasn't even hiring. I mean, that, that shows you, you know, and Auburn was desperate that, at that time and they waited and they got their guy, but – Kirby Smart's just to me the claw. I mean, he's just not—he's not Nick Saban, and he's never going to be. Nobody's going to respect Kirby Smart like they do Nick Saban. I think Nick Saban liked Kirby Smart because Kirby Smart would hold his jockstrap for him and do whatever he wanted to. Said yes, sir, no matter what happened. Where well, Lane Kiffin's not like that. Lane Kiffin's one of those guys like screw you, Nick Saban. I mean, I, you, you could tell Kiffin was doing things even off, and I like that about Kiffin. He's going to be a good coach, but. The Kirby Smart guys, come on. Anybody thinks he's really going to be a successful coach? Anybody on the panel? I think he'll do I, all right. Uh, I don't know if he'll win a championship. All right, all right, I'll get you fired, Quinn. All right, I'll get you fired, SEC, <laughs> man. But I think he'll get them to the SEC championship game consistently. But I don't think I don't. I'll think bet you right now he won't get them. I guarantee you won't get him to the SEC championship in the next three years. Next three years? I think in the next three years, yeah. So we're we're going to bet a thousand dollars on air. Oh, I'm not betting a thousand. I'm joking. Hey, hey, Trey, I've got to tell you right now, Quinn's never watched the movie Tombstone, man. What do you think about that? Thoughts? Quinn, I, I, Quinn, I gotta go here because I got kids who are getting up right now. But Quinn, dude, like that's not that's not cool, man. That's not copacetic. You got you got to go out. You got to watch Tombstone, <laughs> and, and, and just it's what you got to do, Quinn. Thank yeah. you. Well, Trey, well, Trey, buddy, thanks for joining us. I know you got some duties, but call in. We'll we'll have Trey back on regular with me and Jonathan and Quinn before long. Trey, take care, buddy. We'll we'll have a show Wednesday night to to talk about all this recruiting, but 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 Quinn, I'm gonna play a clip right here, and I need you to tell me what movie it comes from. I'm your Huckleberry. Tombstone. Yay, you got it, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've only said that a thousand times, so hopefully he's gonna right. get it right Who's sooner this? or later. Who's this, Quinn? Who's this, Quinn? Hold on. You tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me. You hear? Hell's coming with me! Is it that Western movie you were telling me about? I forget the name. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, a good one, Quinn. Who's that actor, Brian? Uh, Kurt Russell, maybe. uh, You know, Ed, what about this one? If I thought you were my friend, I just don't think I could bear it. So you just you just watch the movie, Quinn. You'll pick up on some of these little things we talk about right here. Last one. Oh, hold on, Quinn. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this clip for you, Quinn. If you can 
If you can tell me what movie this comes from, we'll let you host the show Wednesday night, okay? You ready? <laughs> Grab a dog! Yeah. And I took him! And I, I kicked the shit out of him! And I, and I, all day long, I put up a dog's ass! Just bang, bang, bang up his ass! That's my pleasure! <laughs> Quinn, what movie I have was no that? Clue. Oh my gosh! Oh god! Jonathan, what movie was that? Uh, Jonathan's not throwing his hat in that ring because I didn't recognize that quote. Oh my gosh! All right, all right, Jonathan, this is yours first. Quinn, second. Last I believe one. in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft. Wet kisses that last three days. Jonathan. Oh, that, that's that's uh, that's full Durham. Come on now, yeah, give me a hard. I mean, Quinn. That, that's not even a yeah. hard one. I should have I should have started with Quinn on that one. Quinn, do you honestly recognize that one? No. What? Oh my God! Have you ever that seen that movie? That is the greatest baseball movie of all time. Yeah. Yes, it is. I have to. Major leagues right there, close, but yes. Quinn, have you ever seen that? What movie was it? <laughs> Bull Durham. No. Oh. Jesus. Did you Quinn, I'm, I'm going to fly you to Atlanta. No, he didn't. He, he probably doesn't dip skull either. Uh, I did yeah. before. I did before, and and I hate it. The first time I did it, I threw up, and then every time that I've done it since, I've gotten freaking dizzy. I hate it. It's <laughs> not everybody, Quinn. Except for this guy. I'll tell you this, Quinn. So did I, but I was dumb enough to keep doing it. You were smart, so congratulations. All right, Dang. Quinn. Last last chance for you to last chance for you to impress me tonight. If you don't get this one, um, I'm just hanging up on you, and I'm calling Jason Humphreys. All right, hold on. You ready? And Jonathan, you can be second to help Quinn. Listen, here's the thing. If you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. All right, Quinn, what movie was that? There was a quote that said, if you can't spot the sucker the first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. Who the hell movie was it from? I have no clue. I'm going to kill you. Jonathan, (laughs) what movie was that? That's Rounders. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the movie is heard of that movie. Here's my problem with kids these days. Now, you're not a kid anymore, but um, here's the deal, guys. Put the video game down. Cry to your mama's basement. Watch a movie rated R, okay? I mean, that's all you got to do. I know, Quinn, you may not be allowed to watch anything over PG-13. I was watching rated R movies at 13 years old. I was watching porn at 13. There you go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I did, but it was a rated R movie. What you doing? <laughs> I was going back in the. I'm, I'm going to tell you the funniest story real quick before, and then we'll get back to the sports. I had a buddy who was he, he was 12 years old, and he'd go in uh, 
we had a VCR player. He'd go back to take two video, and he'd say his daddy was crippled in a wheelchair, and he had to go back to the back room. He caught about six flicks with those snacks. <laughs> <laughs> and then let him rent them. That was the thing. Usually my dad's out in the car in a wheelchair, and he'd go rent like six movies, spend all weekend <laughs> watching this stuff. And uh, that's crazy. I just had to throw that out there. That was funny. <laughs> you remember you remember you remember you remember video stores, don't you, Quinn? Where you can go run a movie? Yeah. Okay. But I mean wow. you, 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 you don't I can't believe that. Have you ever watched how many movies have you watched in your life, Quinn? Two, three, four? <laughs> uh probably over thirty. Okay. All right, over thirty. I watched thirty in the last two weeks. Jeez. All right, Quinn, Quinn, this is your last chance right here, and then, and I'm done. Everybody, I know the listeners are having fun with this because they're probably playing along. Or you will listen to the archive. If you don't get this one, you're suspended from the show for a week. Hold on. You ready? I eat breakfast 300 yards from 4,000 Cubans who are trained to kill me, so don't think for one second that you can come down here, flash a badge, and make me nervous. Who's that, Glenn? What movie was that? He's not going to get that. I don't that. know. <laughs> it's, it's a few good men. It's a phenomenal movie from, uh, what was that, like early 90s? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Quinn, your top 20 musty lives, I'll be in the top 20. But then, I mean, I mean where do you work? I work 80 hours a week, so you have time to watch a few movies here and there. <laughs> you can, you can, you I can watch like them on your iPhone. Please help you identify who you are. That's what you're looking for. You're, you're mm. lost right now, Quinn. You don't know who you are. You don't know who you oh, are. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, at, at the same time, the unfortunate reality is a lot of the better movies came out before Clint and I were born. Um, mm-hmm. So it's hard for us to catch up. Like, I have a list of about 15 movies my uncle gave me. Um, and he told me I have to watch them. And I'm looking at the dates they were released, and I'm sitting there going, my dad was born. I want you to send them to me. Will, will, you, will you do me a favor? You can read them off now, or you can send them to me. I'd like to see and see if I've seen all of them. Oh, oh I imagine you have. Um, True Romance. Never seen uh, it. The, the Cooler. Carlito's Way, which from what I understand, seen everybody's it. seen. Um, yeah. A Bronx Tales. Yeah. Uh, Colors. Yeah. International Affairs? Nope. Ford Apache, the Bronx? Uh, History of Violence? Yeah, something like Quinn over here. No Country for Old Men? That's the worst movie of all time. Damn, that's the <laughs> worst movie of all time. I've seen, I almost shot myself in that movie. During trying to watch the Quinn, that was so boring. I hated that movie. My, my buddy said it was the best movie he ever saw. I watched it. My wife almost shot me. Really, seriously. 
Thomas Crown Affair, yeah. Heist, yeah. Mexican, and General Donner. Yeah, those good movies. Mexican, that's a little racist. But, you know, it's good. Well, I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is Blazing Saddles, and there's no way that movie can be made today. No. <laughs> I like Django Unchained. That was pretty funny. I know a lot of people don't get the humor and some of the stuff, but it was pretty good. Have you seen that one? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Quinn, I imagine you've seen Django Unchained. That came out, like, what, five years ago? I've heard yeah, of it, but I haven't seen it. I don't go out to movies regardless if they're new, old, whatever. I don't watch movies. I love, I love giving it. Even, I love even if I want to see a movie, I don't end up seeing the movie. That's kind what of do you do with your time, Quinn? I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you here. What do you do with your time? Watch sports and hang out with friends and go to school. Hang out with friends. These friends you hang out with, let me tell you. Ten years from now, you won't even know who they are or what they do. They're not your friends, man. Don't waste time with too many friends. Never have more than a handful of friends. Never. That's rule number one. All right, Jonathan? I I have a very small group myself. I'm joking. But, yeah, do what you want, Quinn. But make time. Take some me time, Quinn. Take some me time and watch some movies. I do. The me time is watching sports. What sports? Football season's over now, so there's no excuse for you now. I have sports for me all year long. Okay. Well, football's about over with, and March Madness is coming up. And speaking of March Madness, we got a little taste yesterday of uh, some very good college basketball. Uh, The SEC did about what I thought they would do, Jonathan. Uh, they came out, what did they go, 3-7 and seven against the Big 12. I, I found out some stuff yesterday that home court advantage is everything, of course, in basketball. We knew that going in. But the Big 12 is just a little better than SEC. What do you think, Jonathan? Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Big 12 just a uh, just a little bit a better. Hair. What I learned yesterday from watching the game, Whenever my my, my 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 journalism professor tells me to bet against Kentucky, bet big against Kentucky. <laughs> um, uh, Kentucky I mean, should have won that ball was, game. Was, Kentucky should have won was, that ball game. Kentucky. Kentucky should have won that game. There's no doubt about that. And you know, we we were, and it was very interesting. Uh, you know, we we were having a conversation. He's from Kentucky, actually, high school basketball player. And that's why I, I value his opinion when it comes to that sort of stuff. And he, he told me, he goes, Kansas, remember it's a game from last year. Kansas is better right now. But what we did not factor in was Kansas done they grown up. I mean, Kentucky done they grown up. I mean, they showed yep. a lot of heart yesterday. If they hadn't gotten in foul trouble, they win that game hands down running away. Thank you for recognizing that. And that's what, that's what I took away yesterday. Quinn, I don't know if you watched it, but through all the games yesterday, LSU almost beat Oklahoma. It's home court advantage. Anybody could beat anybody. But the thing I took away from yesterday, Kentucky is starting to be back again. And this is playing at the field house. This is in Kansas. You don't win there, John. You don't You don't go into Kansas and win. I don't care who you are. Kentucky had to beat the entire game, which tells me that Kentucky is finally starting to get it. 
And just say they run they run the table, come close to that. They get a four seed, five seed, something like that. They're going to be hell in that tournament, Jonathan, if they figure out down low. And they, I, I think Kentucky's gotten a lot better over the last few weeks. I think Kentucky's starting to get it. I agree. I think they are starting to get it. Uh, Jamal Murray uh, played phenomenal yesterday. Uh, Trey Miles was good. I mean, that's a good team. Kentucky's uh, all of a sudden that talent starting to gel. This is kind of reminiscent of that eight seed that made the run. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm starting to get nervous, but I'm start, I'm on the edge of my seat right now in Kentucky. It's like, do, do I take you guys seriously again? I mean, Dad, why can't y'all just be bad for a year? Why can't why can't we have another Kentucky NIT year? I'll take that. But the fact that they went on the road and forced – I mean, they played overtime with with a team that's Final Four ready, Kansas. They're good. Kansas is real good. But I think, you know, we're, a, what, a month away or what, 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 maybe more than that. A little bit. That's two months away, aren't we? When's March Madness? Is it the end of March? A month and a couple weeks. Yeah. Like a month and a half. So, I mean, that's a long time, guys, to – it's like Kentucky, they're starting to jail. Imagine, give them some more games, man, and let's see what happens. And that's what people don't realize about basketball. It's just get in the tournament. Kentucky doesn't need a one or a two seed. They showed it a couple of years ago. Just let them get in and see what happens. And I want to go over their schedule because I just don't think people realize, like Jonathan said, that talent is starting to get it. Kentucky's not just a – a number twentieth ranked team and you know an average team. They're a twenty. They're a twenty team because because they lost to Auburn, because they lost to UCLA, because they lost to Ohio State and LSU on the road. I mean, now all of a sudden, you know they had three straight before that. They went to Arkansas and won, which is not easy. They crushed Vanderbilt, which was not easy. They beat Missouri by thirty four. Um, they lost to Kansas, but now they have Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, South. They have the SEC schedule coming up. And, and Jonathan, I could see Kentucky running the table, finishing. What are they What are they right now? What's their record right now? They're, I know they've lost five, but they have one. Two. Uh, Kentucky they 16 have 10 and 15. Okay. No, they're not 16 and 15. They've all lost five the liars. Let's see. They're they're sixteen and five. You said. Or you you said fifteen. Oh yeah, sixteen, 16 and five. And My five. goodness. Sixteen wow. and five. Just say Kentucky finishes. Say Kentucky finishes. What twenty nine and five or something? They're a, they're a two seed probably, aren't they, Jonathan? I mean, I mean they're they're going to win mm-hmm. games in the SEC because the SEC's weak, and because they're starting to gel again. So Kentucky could make a run here and get in that tournament. That talent with a point guard like Ulis starting to play inside, this talent they can shoot the bat, they can shoot the rock, they can play defense. Jonathan, I could, I, I mean, would, would I be crazy to say Kentucky could easily be a Final Four team? No, no, you're not. If they, if they went out, there, there's no, there's no way that this team uh, doesn't at least get that that distinction of this is a possible uh, last weekend team. Quinn, what do you think about Kentucky? Did you get to watch the game last night? I watched some of it. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're definitely starting to click. I think they can make a run, yep. but uh, 
there's so much parity, it seems, in college basketball this year that I don't know who will be in the Final Four. There doesn't seem to be any clear-cut well, teams. Well, well, I'm going to tell you this, Quinn. When the stage is the biggest is when these superstars come out and they start playing like Kentucky, Kansas. Um, I'm not saying Oklahoma is, honestly. I'm not ready to sit here and say, Jonathan, that I think Oklahoma is truly the best team in the country. I mean, they, of course, the record and what they've done, but I feel stronger about Kansas and Kentucky than I do Oklahoma, honestly. I don't know. I've watched Oklahoma a couple times this year, uh, including uh, their game against uh, LSU last night. I caught bits and pieces of I think that's a pretty good team. I think Buddy Hill's the best point guard in college basketball. And one of the things about college basketball, you know, and I tried to push this narrative for a while, but how you need a big man, you need a really good big man to, to win a title. But when you see it year after year, it's all about who has the point guard. Uh, you know, yep. you need very good point guard play to win a national championship. Um, we saw it last year uh, with Tyus Jones and, and uh, even, you know, Grayson Allen and Spurs. Uh, we saw it uh, with uh, Connecticut. You know, they did beat that eight-seed Kentucky team with uh, Shabazz and Napier. Uh, you know, you see it with yeah, Mario Chalmers. Yeah, it was a nine-seed, nine wasn't it? Was uh, yeah, Connecticut I want to say they were a nine I'm that year. Connecticut. Our, our Kentucky yeah, was an eight or nine, but was nine, Connecticut which was, was amazing. You have a nine yeah. and an eight in the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you need a good, competent point guard, and it doesn't hurt to have the best point guard in the nation, Buddy Heald. So I think that Oklahoma is a legitimate team. I think they're a serious contender. They can shoot the lights out like nobody's business. And when, it come, when they need to, they can play excellent lockdown defense. I really like that basketball team. You know, in the tournament, mm-hmm. give me teams like Michigan State. Give me, give me Bobby Petrino and those guys, Calipari, Krzyzewski. Give me the – Give me the teams that's been there before. Give me uh, North Carolina this year. I like them uh, in Kansas, of course. But these are, to me, and them, Iowa, Villanova. Villanova's a poser, and they've always been. The Xavier team, Jonathan, now that's a good group of guys right there. That's a good team, and I think they could do something in a tournament. Yeah, Xavier is an excellent basketball team. Uh, they have an excellent coach. He's uh, the younger brother, I believe, of Arizona State. Um, I really like what I've seen from Xavier this year. I really like what I saw from last year. Uh, I thought they were an excellent team. And they seem to consistently be a team that, come March, uh, just like Dayton all reality, finds a way to sneak up on everybody. And they, they shouldn't surprise you anymore, but they always do. Well, we're we're getting close to to March Madness. One of the one of the best times of the year for this show. I I remember we started way in sports talk when the March Madness was beginning about four years ago, and and what a that was when Kentucky won the championship. They I can't remember exactly who they beat, but man, they were good, Jonathan. Kansas. So who did they play? I think they beat Kansas. I think. Yeah, not, was it Kansas? I'm not sure, but they they pistol whipped them. I mean, it was. I think it that, was that Kentucky team. That Kentucky team was good, but that, I mean that that's when we started out. So it's always sentimental to me that that March Madness is coming around. Anything y'all want to talk about before we go, guys? Jonathan, start with you since Quinn doesn't watch movies. We'll start with you. Um, 
There's not really too much on my radar right now. I'm just counting down the days until uh, uh, pitchers and catchers report for baseball. I'm really excited for this upcoming baseball season. Um, obviously, hockey's still going on. I mean, if you, if you care about hockey, pay attention. I tend to watch it a lot. I bet it a lot. Um, and, you know, even if you don't really pay attention to hockey, you've probably heard the John Scott controversy that's gone on. Um, and I say keep an eye on the NBA. What's going on with Blake Griffin? I mean, he decides to up and punch uh, a trainer who apparently is a good friend to ha- to have his, breaks his hand. I'm not saying he's out a month. We all know he's out at least two months, if not more. I mean, is, is Blake Griffin now on the trade block? We know Kevin Love is most likely on the trade block uh, with Cleveland. I mean, could we see a swap uh, right then and there with those two? I don't know. But I, I think NBA's trade deadline is going to be uh, – very intriguing this year because you're going to have some bigger names out there, not to mention, you know, Kevin Durant's contract expires at the end of the year. So, uh, what, you know, what, what's going to happen there? Uh, other than that, I mean, I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be fun. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, well, we're going to be on Wednesday night to go over National Signing Day. Of course, but Blake Griffin's the most overrated player in the world. I think he went out on injury, and they found out that they were better without him, and it pissed him off, and now his roid rage is coming out, Quinn. Quinn, what do you got for me? Jonathan, I have a question for you. When I was little, I used to really like watching baseball, and how can I really get into liking watching baseball again when my White Sox really aren't doing the greatest? I keep up, but, like, watching games-wise – like, I can't just sit down and watch a baseball game on TV like I used to. I can't either. I can't either. So Jonathan, what, I'm going to ask so you that, too. what would you say to try and get me back into it? Uh, well, whenever you're a fan of the Chicago uh, Crap Sox, uh, life's going to be <laughs> difficult for you. Um, but, I mean, I, I played baseball. Uh, I, I, I'm in a couple dynasty leagues, so I, I, I go to a lot of minor league games and scout kids. And I got I got contacts inside baseball, and I guess that's what keeps me really uh, into it. Um, but fantasy baseball, that's the only way. Yeah, I mean, if you played baseball, you'll enjoy watching baseball because you see the subtle nuances. You'll notice things that the average fan doesn't. Um, I, I love baseball. I love watching a game. I think it, I think it's a good way to spend, you know, three and a half hours. Um, on a Tuesday night, just to unwind and relax. You know, it's just it's just pay attention to all the little things. You know, if you want to get back into baseball and you were previously into it, just find what you loved about the game in the first place. You know, for me, I, and this, sadly enough, it was guys like Barry Bonds who really dragged me yep. into baseball. And then when I, you know, when I moved to being a pitcher uh, as a player, it became all about – watching the pitchers and seeing what they're doing and understanding the greatness behind it. And, you know, I grew up because Barry Bonds was my favorite player and the Rays weren't weren't established when I grabbed a hold of baseball. The Giants became my first love, you know. So I got to witness Barry Bonds in his, in his greatest prime. I remember watching him play games down at Key West where the sun's up and it's, you know, it's midnight here, but the sun's still up on San Francisco. You know, so I mean, it's just, it's, you should have to find something to clash onto. And I know it's hard for you to do as a White Sox fan, but if I, if I have advice for you as a fan of the whatever they are, um, 
Quinn, watch Chris Sale Quinn, wa- and watch Jose Abreu. Hold, hold on just a second. Hold yeah, on just a second. Chris Quinn, why do you like the White Sox? Why do you like the White Sox more than the Cubs? Why not the Cubs? Well, when I was little, we had a family friend that works for the White Sox. And so before my dad got to me, because my dad likes the Cubs, but so before he got to me, <laughs> I, I he beat me to it, and I, I became a White Sox fan. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, Quinn, I'm going to be up in Chicago in March, so I'm going to go make You, you know, are? Not, they're, they're not, yeah, the, the, they're not playing in March, but I'm going to go try to see them this year, the White Sox and the Cubs. I want to go see both of them. How far are the stadiums away, the Cubs not and the White far. Sox? Aren't they just right across town? I mean, Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, the White – just be careful when you go to the – We'll go to a White Sox game because uh, it's not in the best neighborhood. It's on the south side of town, and that's the the more. No, I don't give a damn about those thugs. I'll beat the hell out of them. I don't care <laughs> okay. about people like that, man. Damn. Man, that's like going to a I'll, game I'll, at, uh, at Tropicana down here. That's why they're moving the stadium out. Is because the area is not the best. You know, it's kind of you know, and it's funny because the way the Braves are the Rays are moving is actually following the Braves model. The Braves are moving from uh, Turner to Kennesaw because most of the season ticket holders are in Kennesaw. Just like right now, it looks like the Rays aren't actually going to move to Tampa. They're going to move to a suburb um, out in uh, Pasco County because most of the season ticket holders are in Pasco, and that's where I think baseball has an edge over a lot of other um, leagues is that they actually try to move the stadiums to the fans, whereas in football and hockey and basketball, they just move them into the center of a city and say, go to it. Quinn, Quinn, I'm going to tell you this right quick. I'm going to tell you, you know, radio shows, if you want to see ratings crash on radio, you talk about baseball. And, And that's true. No matter... How much you play? I played it. I loved it. I can watch it, you know. But fantasy baseball helped me keep up with it more. Like it helped me pay attention. If you don't, if you're not playing fantasy baseball, you're not going to be able to watch baseball consistently throughout the year. Um, it just keeps you engaged, keeps you involved. But but Jonathan, I mean, sports talk radio, baseball is a killer for sports talk radio. That's why you see Colin Coward. He never talks it. I mean, it's because nobody wants to listen to it. There's nothing exciting to people for the majority. I'm not talking about everybody because I can I can listen to baseball talk and enjoy it, but a lot of people don't want to hear it, Quinn. I mean, they want to hear football 365 days a year, except maybe a few times when we're talking the NBA Finals, playoffs, the March Madness, but football rules sports talk radio. But do you play yeah. fantasy football or baseball? Do you play fantasy baseball? No, I don't. I think you need to. That to me, that, that I think Jonathan said that right. You said that you got to play. Yeah, fantasy I have two dynasty So like, yeah. you become kind of attached to your players uh, because you're not starting over every year. And I, fantasy baseball, I would say, in the past three years, being a part of the two leagues I'm in has really jumped up my interest in just the minor leagues and the call-ups and the little trades and things like that that happen in baseball. That definitely helped me pay a lot more attention, especially when it was, oh, some rookie pitcher starting today. Well, is he good? Well, we haven't seen him. Well, then I'm going to watch him because if he's good, I'm going to try and pick him up. Yeah, well, 
So, guys, hopefully you can join me Wednesday night. We're going we're gonna to get live mm-hmm. and talk some recruiting, and it'll be a good time because some of the West Coast people will still be committing. And uh, by then we'll know where Auburn, where Florida State, Alabama, Notre Dame, all our teams we follow, where they're going to end up. But, but don't be surprised when Nick Saban pulls off the number one class again. Because like Trey said, he's going to have about three or four or five stars come rolling in. I think Auburn's going to get a couple of those five stars on signing day. We'll see. Well, a lot of time. Because because I was looking at on 247, they have the crystal ball, and you were talking about how Saban could land three or four more five stars. And I was just looking through at at who they have rated as five stars in the uncommitted guys. And in really, the, like their crystal ball predictions, they weren't predicting Alabama to land. I'm not saying they couldn't, but I don't know if Alabama will be landing three or four more five stars. Well, you never know. Money talks, Quinn. Remember that. Money talks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, y'all be good. We'll see you Wednesday night. Everybody, take care of yourself. Great show tonight. Had some fun. Quinn, go watch a movie, for God's sake. Have a good week, guys. All right, y'all. See y'all on Wednesday. See ya. See ya.